0: This message comes from NPR sponsor, Acorn TV. Acorn TV is brilliant television told brilliantly. From charmingly cozy mysteries to daringly dark dramas. Visit acorn.tv for a 30-day free trial with promo code NPR. Acorn TV. Brilliant.
1: From NPR and WBEZ Chicago, this is Wait, Wait, Don't Tell Me the NPR News Quiz. You've heard of Elf on the Shelf. Get your window ready for Bill on the Sill. (laughs) I'm Bill Curtis, and here is your host, who wanted to have children just so he could explain to them, too, that No, Santa just doesn't visit certain families. It's Peter Stigel. Thank you, Bill. Thanks,
2: everybody. Thank you so much. Yeah, we have made it to the end of another year, our 25th year of doing this show. And over those years... Yes? I know. I'm just as stunned as you are. And over all those years, we have noticed something that always seems to happen at this time of year. We all express relief that the past year is over and hope the next one will be better. Damn it! one of these years will be right. Until then, (laughs) we'll remember the past year in the best possible light by focusing on some of our favorite moments from this show, like the time we talked to a man who made it big in the 1980s playing one character and then did
1: it again in the 2020s by playing the same character. Peter began his conversation with Ralph Macchio with a confession.
2: <laughs> uh, well, I want you to know, in case you were bothered by people coming up to you and, and just immediately bring up The Karate Kid, uh, I had not seen the movie until this week. <laughs> True story. Really? really. So if I had run into you, I'd be like, oh my God, oh my God, it's you from Crossroads. So, That's you know, right, there you go. There's there amazing. you go.
3: You know, yeah, no, and listen, audible gasp from the... There are, uh, you know. I know, I was the
2: last one in, in, uh, in captivity, and now there did, are no more people who've never seen it. How did you it.
4: not see The Karate Kid?
2: I, I, I don't know.
4: Did you not go to the VHS rental store, pick it out, <laughs> yeah. watch it, be kind and rewind, return it so someone else could be blessed
2: with this film? Well, well here's the thing. <laughs> and, and I think Ralph will know what I'm talking about. So I missed it. I must have been busy the night it was out. I'm sorry. Anyway, and, and by the time I was like, oh, I should see that movie, it had become so popular and
3: suffused popular culture that I felt I had seen it. Right, The of, pop culture of it all beca- yeah. became like, you know, your snapshot into like... It's like when you see a good... When you see a trailer to a movie, and it's yeah. such a great trailer, and then you hear from someone about it, like one or two more, then you're like, I've seen the trailer, that has the best jokes, this guy just said, this guy wins at the end, eh, I don't really have to... Yeah, exactly. And then when I saw the movie, I was so surprised, it's more than 30 seconds long.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Actually, my biggest surprise in the movie was Pat Narita, the wonderful actor who plays Mr. Miyagi, was when you made the movie... Six years younger than I am now, which is a little terrifying.
3: I know, I know. I, I got it. believe me. There are memes of that. Yeah. I can imagine. But worse for me, worse for me than you. Yeah, so. yeah I guess.
2: I, I, in fact, I wanted to ask you about that before I go back. So, so let, let's go back to 1984. You were, and for those of you who weren't there, I, even I knew this, you were like huge. You were like in the cover of Tiger Beat.
3: Yes, I was on. I was on. And, I was and on those pinnacle, like Vogue, GQ, Tiger Beat. Yes, go on. Go for on. our younger listeners,
2: <laughs> Tiger Beat was something that was called a magazine.
3: Yes, that's a thing you turned. They had these shiny kind of pages. My yeah. funny. is, Here's a story. Here's a, here's a good story. My son. Um, my kids didn't sort of know that daddy's like not like all the other dads kind of thing when they were younger, until <laughs> uh, he found at age, I think it was four or six, Uh, a bin that my mother kept with every single Tiger Beat, 16, Teen Bop, Baby Bop, Mm -hmm. whatever. He comes running in the house with like (laughs) fistfuls of these Teen Magazines to his older sister and says, Dad was huge and we missed it. (laughs) (laughs)
1: Uh, That's
2: amazing.
3: And then did he say like, Dad, what do you mean? You were the karate kid just like Jaden Smith? (laughs) <laughs> uh, no, no, not quite. That, that hadn't happened. That hadn't
4: happened. Yet. Well, you know, well, you know see, see, that's a cute story and all, right, yeah. Ralph? But I got something I need to express to you, bro. Go ahead. Like, you're woven into the fabric of my formative years. Like, you're a hero back in the day. I got to tell you, bro, that crane kick don't work in real life.
1: <laughs>
4: oh. Yo, I'm going to tell you... Y'all should have put a disclaimer at the beginning and the end of the film because Jason Taylor at Cobb Middle School kicked my ass when I was trying to do that crane kick. Jason Taylor didn't care nothing about no crane kick.
5: <laughs>
4: he <laughs> no <laughs> wax on, he waxed me. That's
3: You just needed a human Yoda like my character had yeah. to, do, uh, to help you out. No, yeah, I, need, cool. I
4: needed
2: somebody to yell cut before. Yeah. <laughs> All right. I got one more question for you before we play our game, which is that among many other privileges of being the Karate Kid, you had one of the great. Training montage songs of all time, written for you. Uh, you're the best around, right? Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah.
2: And yep. do, you, do you do you? Is that like? Do you ever like use that when you're out for a jog because it's yours? <laughs> Whenever you're feeling a little down, you got to get that burst of energy. You just let like play I, that w- thing. I
3: I will say this much in full disclosure. This could be the first time I'm saying it oh, out please. loud in front of 500 of my best friends that I can't see. In recent times, on the Long Island Expressway, when I am cooking, it's. <laughs> My, I'm, I'm cranking that mofo, and I'm just this is cool. I love it. Awesome. Can you
4: can you imagine? Can you imagine pulling up next to Ralph Macchio, and, he's
2: and you hear that. the song, and you turn your head, and there's and Ralph Macchio like
3: banging on the steering wheel, singing along. Just that was, belting it out. That would, it oh man! No, if I, now, when when I have to do it, I gotta call you guys when I'm driving the Ford. No,
2: you gotta do the thing where people yeah. put their put their phones and film themselves from the dashboard doing it, just rock it out to "You're the Best." Oh, that would One be hilarious. One of these days,
3: maybe, maybe, maybe when Cobra Kai comes in for a landing, That's, that'll be my victory. That'll be awesome. Great. <laughs>
2: well, okay. well, Ralph, it is so great to talk to you. But we have asked you here to play a game we're calling Wax On, Wax Off. Your character learned karate, famously, by waxing Mr. Miyagi's cars. So we thought we'd ask about a different use for wax hair removal. Answer two to three questions about the job we just learned is called an esthetician, and you'll win our prize for one of our listeners. Bill, who is Ralph Macchio playing for?
1: Ryan Hill of Orlando, Florida. All
2: right. Here is your first question. One of the most uh, memorable waxings ever, of course, is Steve Carell's chest waxing scene in the movie The 40-Year-Old Virgin. The scene had a visceral impact on viewers. How did they make it so realistic? A, they applied mild electric shocks to Carell every time they pulled off the fake hair. B, every time the waxer pulled off the fake hair, the sound effects editor put in the sound of Velcro being pulled apart. Or C, it wasn't fake hair. They really ripped Steve Carell's chest hair out on camera.
3: Um, um
2: the on- the audience. The audience making... feels like it's B. Huh? Well, no no, was... no, 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 the audience feels The audience feels like it's C. Yeah,
3: I feel like it's C too, because I think I've heard well tell the story There you are. It is C. Yeah, they did it for real. They, they did it for
2: real. It's one take because you can't wait to grow the hair back for take two. Yeah. All right. With so many licensed waxers out there, it is important for salons to get their names out there in front of the public. But one waxer in Australia faced controversy after posting promotional photos of them doing what? A, giving a bikini wax to a real crocodile, B, wearing used wax strips like a beard, or C, waxing the feet of a hobbit. People are shouting C again, but this time I think they're just messing with it. I think it's B. I think think it's B. B. You think wearing the used wax strips like a beard? No, actually it was A. He, Ah. He had pictured himself waxing an actual crocodile. Which we did right. not
4: know had said, but, body hair. But you said bikini wax a
3: crocodile. Yeah, they don't yeah. have crutches. They How don't do you... have
5: bikinis. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
3: Yes, but, but crocodiles you... <laughs> all wear one pieces. We all know yeah, this. You show, you show me one, you, show, you bring me one crocodile bikini and I'll, I'll, I'll uh... believe it. All right, well, nonetheless, nonetheless, well, this is very
2: exciting because as okay. we all know from the movie, you do your best when you're down to the last chance, right? <laughs> Okay.
4: Don't use that damn crane kick, though.
2: Uh, Keep your
3: hands in front of your face. Exactly. (laughs) Keep your hands in front.
2: All right. Here's your last question. Millions of people get waxed because they like the way it makes them look. But the prevalence of waxing around, well, the world, has had an unexpected benefit. What? A, the average pair of underwear now lasts six months longer. <laughs> B, it, lo- it, it lowered the retail price of Crayola crayons, more wax available. Or C, it's officially made crab lice an endangered species.
4: <laughs> oh, snap. <laughs> oh, <man. laughs>
3: Um, I'm leaning. That's because you're lo- only standing on one leg again, isn't it? I, I just love What? I just love the crab lice one. I just love it. I love the
2: extinction of what, crab what, lice. What, what, would, uh, wouldn't Mr. Miyagi tell you to trust your heart?
4: Yeah.
3: <laughs> 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 I, I, Follow I, your I, heart. Yeah, yeah, I know. I'm going with C. You're I right. <laughs> that's what happened. <laughs> And
2: I gotta tell you, Uh, I did not believe this myself when I first heard it, but I looked it up and there has been, in fact, an academic paper proving that these parasitic animals who like to live in human body hair are becoming endangered because there's less body hair for them to live in. It's
1: true. Bill, how did Ralph Macchio do on our quiz? Ralph has won the tournament with two out of three. That's a win, Ralph.
2: Ralph Macchio stars in Cobra Kai on Netflix. You can pre-order his memoir, Waxing On, right now. Ralph Macchio, what a joy to talk to you. Thank you so much for joining us on Wait, Wait, Don't Tell Me.
3: Thanks, Ralph. Thanks, Ralph. Had a great time.
2: When we come back, yet another reason never, ever to have children, and Representative Eleanor Holmes Norton explains why we should never call her that. We'll be back in a minute with more Wait, Wait, Don't Tell Me from NPR. Support for this NPR podcast
4: and the following message come from Easy Cater. Committed to helping companies solve food. From employee meal plans to on-site staffing to concierge ordering support. With corporate accounts, nationwide restaurant coverage, and payment by invoice. EasyCater.com
1: From NPR and WBEZ Chicago, this is Wait, Wait, Don't Tell Me, the NPR News Quiz. I'm Bill Curtis, and here is your host at the Studebaker Theater in the Fine Arts Building in downtown Chicago. It's Peter Sagel.
2: Thank you, Bill. Thank you, everybody. You're awesome. Oh, that Christmas spirit, it's great. So another year is almost in the books, and we've pulled out our yellow highlighter to show off the good parts. For example, in 2020, we had to postpone our show at the Fox Theater in Atlanta because the pandemic had just begun. But after a short delay of only two years, we finally got
1: to put on our show there. Here's Faith Salee, Joel Kim Booster, and Hari Kondabolu, with guest scorekeeper, Chioke Ianson.
2: It's time for the Wait, Wait, Don't Tell Me Bluff the Listener Game. Call one wait wait to play our game in the air. Hi, you are on Wait, Wait, Don't Tell Me. This is Ted Slotovich from Rome, Atlanta, Georgia. Hey! <laughs> and, and, and what do you do here in, in, in the beautiful city of Atlanta?
1: I'm happily retired for just four years, and for the past year I've been a volunteer production manager for the Atlanta Philharmonic. Oh,
7: wow. Atlanta Philharmonic.
2: That's great. The Philharmonic in Atlanta?
7: Classy.
2: Yeah. Now, are you, are you a musician yourself?
7: Uh, I
1: play, I'm classically trained on saxophone, so there's not much call for that in an orchestra. <laughs> and that's no. a damned shame. I know. More
2: saxophone in oh, classical music. Come on. Make classical music sexier, (laughs) right? Well, Ted, welcome to the show. You're going to play our game in which you must try to tell truth from fiction. Chyoki, what is Ted's topic? What I
4: didn't expect when I was expecting.
2: Now, certain parental challenges you just know are coming, diapers, tantrums of the terrible twos, the living in your basement of the terrible forty-twos, but... (laughs) This week, we heard about a totally unexpected problem a parent is facing. Our panelists are going to tell you about that challenge. Pick the one who's telling the truth. You'll win our prize, the wait-waiter of your choice in your voicemail.
7: Ready to do this? Can't wait. All right. First, let's hear from Hari Kandabulu. Jerry Robinson sits in his jail cell in upstate New York, awaiting his trial for a variety of white-collar crimes. However, it's not his poor choices he obsesses over, but his three-year-old son George's photographic memory. George is one of those very rare children that can remember everything since the moment of their birth. He remembers such details as doctors urging his mom to push and his father throwing up and passing out. (laughs) During the pandemic, Jerry made a lot of business calls with his baby boy in his lap. Calls that George later relayed to investigators. His descriptions were verbatim, almost. For example... Daddy said embezzlement is only a crime if you get caught. (laughs) Prosecutors say the kid wasn't a pushover, and getting him to talk cost them three packs of Reese's peanut butter cups. But only the ones with actual Reese's pieces inside the peanut butter. Everyone agreed he was the cutest rat they'd ever worked with. A child with photographic memory drops a dime on his embezzling
2: father. Your next story of a child challenge comes from Faith Saley.
0: Today's parents focus a lot on early literacy, but a surprising study in the Journal of Excessive Parenting shows that too much pressure from impatient moms and dads to turn their children into bookworms can lead kids to become overly obsessed with grammar. We may be raising a generation of not quite grammar Nazis, but grammar Hitler youth. Seven-year-old Gerund Goulden-Gibbs, a grammar martinet which his parents chalk up to his freakishly advanced reading. When all the other kids were into Don't Let the Pigeon Drive the Bus, we pointed Gerund toward Henry James and talked to him about semicolons, his mom Eric Goulden says. Yet she confesses that she and her wife had no idea their son's name is a grammar term. We just thought Jaren sounded cool. Between you and I, she admits. Between you and me, Mom. Ugh, Jaren adds as he slaps his forehead. Jaren's parents are embarrassed they've accidentally created an impeccable grammar monster and have been trying to teach him to end his sentences with prepositions, so he'll have more kids to be friends with.
1: <laughs> Too much pressure.
2: To read could lead to grammar-obsessed kids like little Gerund. Your last story of a parenting problem comes from Joel Kim Booster.
8: While most new parents are preoccupied with all the normal business of raising a child, potty training, diaper changing, and various other bathroom-related activities, one Georgia mom is among the hundreds of parents who are dealing with their child's genetically uncombable hair. Lachlan samples, a one-year-old from Atlanta, Georgia, is one of only hundreds of cases of uncombable hair syndrome ever reported. It turns out he doesn't just have the look of Phil Spector, it's a literal <laughs> genetic condition that makes the hair on young children literally uncombable. Lachlan's mother, Caitlin, describes his hair as having the look and feel of a dandelion, or that one lamp from IKEA that looks like a dandelion. <laughs> <laughs> Caitlin first heard of uncombable hair syndrome when somebody messaged her about it on Instagram. I went into a t- tailspin, Caitlin said, of her initial reaction to the DM, something anyone who's ever received an unsolicited message from a stranger on the internet can relate to. But after finding her son a specialist who could confirm the diagnosis, Caitlin was reassured. The condition is very real, but is harmless, and usually ends by adolescence when every other problem starts.
2: (laughs) All right, so here are your choices. Which of these is a potential challenge of child raising that, well, we hadn't heard about till this week? Was it from Hari Kondabulu? how a child could have photographic memory and thereby, you know, turn you into the feds, or from Faith Saley, how too much pressure to read can turn your child into a little grammar martinet, or from Joel Kim Booster, the nightmare of uncombable hair syndrome. Which of these is the real story? I think I'm going to go with my fellow Georgian Faith with the grammar obsession. So you're going to go with a Faith story about a child named Gerund? Something's telling me you're trying to change my mind. Who, me? Why would I do that? Ah, I'm strictly neutral.
1: Okay. I will change my answer to uncomable hair syndrome. What does the audience think? Well, the
2: audience thinks I have no opinion that I can care to share. But the audience thinks you've made, a, you've made a correct choice. So if you're going to go with that, you're going to go with that? Yep. All right. Well, we actually spoke to the parent of the child in question.
0: I posted a photo of him to my Instagram story, and a stranger DM'd me and was like, has your son been diagnosed with uncombable hair syndrome? There you go.
2: <laughs> that was Kate Samples, the mother of, and this is his actual name, Locke Samples. <laughs> That's his name, the boy with uncombable hair syndrome. Congratulations, you did get it right. You earned a point. The Joel Kim Booster, just for telling the truth, you've won our prize. The voice of your choice on your voicemail. Thank you so much for playing with us today. Thank you very much. Uh, I'll appreciate it. Take it's care. great. Thanks for calling. All right. Bye-bye. In August of this last year, we made good on another date that we had to postpone a bit, and we went down to Washington, D.C. to do our show at Wolf Trap. Our guest was Eleanor Holmes Norton, who for more than 30 years has served as the congresswoman from Washington, D.C. Peter, ask her why she does not like to be called Washington's representative in Congress. You don't like to be called the representative.
9: Is you that can correct? be called the representative when we get statehood. Right.
2: Right and you're getting somewhere. You're getting somewhere. Yeah. Now, Willie, uh, you, you, really, you think that this actually might happen?
9: Well, it's passed the House twice. I know. We've had a hearing in the Senate. Right. We have another one coming up. We're getting there. You are looking at who will be the governor, or oh, is it the senator, from the 51st state of right. the United States. <laughs>
2: Judging, judging from the way people react to you around here, you could be both either. You could alternate whatever you want. You could be El Presidente. They'll give you whatever you need, I think. So, so why do you think that it will finally happen? And, and tell me, why don't you tell me your argument for Washington, D.C. statehood?
9: We have more residents than two states are already states. Right. I think it's Vermont and Wyoming.
2: Vermont and Wyoming. I think so. Well, it just so happens that Tom here is a Vermont resident. Tom, would you be willing to swap? <laughs> <laughs> no,
9: I won't ask yes. you to do that. Yeah, yeah
2: yes, why not? We'll, we'll just join Canada. That'd be great. <laughs> you realize that, you know, we have such a nice flag right now with the 50 stars. Or the I ray. like that. Yeah, what, no. No, uh, but have you, I mean, we're going to have to get rid of a state just to keep the flag.
9: Well, you know, we have a place that, we have a flag here in the District of Columbia right. with 51 stars. Really? You just, okay. Oh. You won't be able to tell it, but it exists.
2: Okay, it's there. It's there.
9: How have you... We've actually flown it on flag poles.
2: It's the, it's the statehood equivalent of like a middle finger right up there.
9: <laughs>
2: how, how, have, I mean, it's been so long and you've been trying this for so long. How do you keep up your hopes? In this fight for statehood?
9: Well, the way I keep up my hopes is the progress we're making. Look, when you get it through the House twice and you're doing so well in the Senate, yeah. that's enough to keep up your hopes and nothing else.
2: How do you deal with the Republicans who are so opposed? Are you, do you try to kill them with kindness or do you just try to <laughs> kill them?
9: No. Neither <laughs> one will do, but... <laughs> <laughs> We are told
2: that one of the things you are famous for, in addition to your fierce advocacy for Washington and other causes, is your dancing. Oh yeah! Oh yeah! You, you've, you, there are a lot of videos people can Google it of like Eleanor Holmes Norton dancing. Has this always been a part of your career? You've always done oh that yeah.
9: Home? Yeah. I'm a native Washingtonian, grew yeah. up dancing in D.C. Yeah. And that's my thing. Really? Wow. Do, do you? <laughs>
4: <laughs> and, and Congresswoman, you, you, said, you said that you've been dancing all your life here in D.C., and I understand that you all just um, made a designation of Chuck Brown Day.
9: Oh, yeah.
7: All right. Yeah. Yeah. For,
9: for people who
2: are not from, who are either not from D.C. or boring middle-aged white guys, <laughs> <laughs> who is that?
9: Oh, Peter. I'm
4: sorry. Oh, man. <laughs> Peter, you might as well be sucking beer through a hot dog right now. I know. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So, Peter.
9: Do you do you know gogo?
2: I know that go-go is a thing from Washington. Yeah. And it's not the boot. It's it's it's, it's music. Right. Yeah. That you can't help but dance right. to.
4: Right. And I,
1: bet, you,
4: I bet I could help you. Yeah,
2: to Tom and I are willing to take that bet.
4: You know what? Now <laughs> that I said that, I retract my last statement. <laughs>
1: yep.
4: Have you seen my shovel? <laughs> yes. <I see. laughs> well, Chuck Brown is the king of go-go music. Right.
9: And Chuck Brown Day is coming up here in the district. How will you celebrate Chuck Brown Day? Oh, you go, you know, he, he stood on the Capitol steps uh, and got everybody to dancing, and we kind of celebrated that way. Cool. Mm. I'm
2: gonna ask you one last question before we play our game. Let's say, and I hope it's true, just for the good people of Washington to become fully enfranchised Americans like the rest of us, that it happens and Washington becomes the 51st or 52nd, who cares, state. How will you, Eleanor Holmes Norton, celebrate that day?
9: Well, with go, go, music. There you go. (laughs) (laughs) Well, Congresswoman
2: Norton, Uh, It is an absolute honor to have you with us, and we have some work to do. We have asked you here to play a game we're calling Welcome to the DC Universe. So you, of course, have represented Washington, D.C. for decades, but the question is, what do you know about D.C. comics for non-nerds? DC Comics is, you know, Batman, Superman, Wonder Woman, those people. Answer three questions about the costumed heroes of DC who will win our prize for one of our listeners, the voice of their choice in their voicemail. Are you ready to play? (laughs) No. No. I like it that way. That's That's a very good answer. Okay. All right. Bill, who is Congresswoman Norton playing for?
1: Andrew Yonkman of Herndon, Virginia. Here's
2: your first question. While primarily known for, like I said, Batman, Superman, DC Comics also has a stable of lesser-known superheroes, including which of these? One of these is a real superhero who appeared in a DC comic. A, the human torch, but British, who was a walking flashlight. (laughs) B, interrupting man, who had the power to show up anywhere, anytime when someone else is speaking. Or C, dog welder who true to his name would weld dogs to bad guys'
1: faces. (laughs) I I think
9: I think this is I'm just this is a guess, I don't know. I'm guessing it's not B because every man is interrupting man. My first instinct is to say none of those. Right. <laughs> one of them genuinely
2: is. Uh, one? Yeah. And a, you think the human, the human torch for British, because that's what they call flashlights. He's just a flashlight. That's your choice? I, I, I'll take that choice. All right. No, it was dog welder. <laughs> what? Honest to gosh. What? And just to be clear, he was a good guy. All right, you still have two chances here. Here's your next question. You have two more chances. In the late 60s, DC Comics was owned by the company that would eventually spin it off and become Time Warner, which owns it now. But at the time of that buyout, the company was mostly focused on what other business? A, selling fake x-ray glasses. B, running very large parking lots across the country. Or C, performing contract undercover operatives for the US military. Mm. Comic book company, but they had another business. What was that other business? God knows.
9: (laughs) 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 I'll just take B. um, You're right. It was B. (laughs) (laughs) That explains such
2: famous late 60s storylines as Superman versus the unlicensed towing company. All right, third question, if you get this right, you win. DC superheroes get their powers from a lot of sources. Superman, for example, he gets his power from the sun. The villain Snowflame, Snowflame, gets his powers from where? Eating gasoline-soaked snowballs, B, doing cocaine, or C, just believing in himself. Gosh darn it. B. Like B. B? B? B, you're right. It's cocaine.
1: Oh! Yes! <laughs> um,
4: you know, Congresswoman, you know, you know, Congresswoman, this says a lot about your constituency right here.
2: <laughs> uh, <laughs> they knew that answer right away. They
1: really did. <laughs> Bill, how did
2: Congresswoman Eleanor Holmes Two do? out of
1: three. She is a dancing queen. You are?
2: Eleanor Holmes Norton since 1991, has been the Congresswoman for Washington, D.C. in the House of Representatives. And if there is any justice in this world, someday she will get a vote on the floor there. Congresswoman, thank you so much for joining us. And we When we come back, the hosts of the great prison podcast, Ear Hustle, talk about life on the outside. And actor Matt Walsh tells us that his show, Veep, was funny because it was true. That's when we come back with more Wait, Wait, Don't Tell Me from NPR. This message comes from NPR sponsor Mattress Firm. How do you sleep at night? No matter what might be keeping you up, Mattress Firm can help anyone sleep. Mattress Firm will find you the right mattress from a wide selection of top brands at every budget. Plus, if you see a lower price somewhere else, they will match it up to 120 nights with their low price guarantee. Get matched at Mattress Firm's Memorial Day sale and sleep at night. Restrictions apply. See mattressfirm.com or a store for details.
8: Ah, the satisfying sounds of more sales in your business. And from the sound of it, your business is growing. But you shouldn't have to pay more to scale your business. With Stamps.com, you can import orders from wherever you sell online, find the lowest rates with the fastest delivery times, and instantly deliver tracking updates to your customers and stock up on supplies. Get started at Stamps.com today with code PROGRAM for a four-week trial, free postage, and a digital scale.
0: Jasmine Morris here from the StoryCorps podcast. Our latest season is called My Way. Stories of people who found a rhythm all their own and marched to it throughout their lives. Consequences and other people's opinions be damned. You won't believe the courage and audacity in these stories. Hear them on the StoryCorps podcast from NPR.
7: On NPR's Throughline, We cannot function for 24 hours without cobalt because it's in our smartphone, our tablet, our laptop.
1: And as a consequence, the lives of the people living in that part of the Congo descended into just a catastrophe.
7: Find NPR's Throughline wherever you get your podcasts. <laughs>
1: From NPR and WBEZ Chicago, this is Wait, Wait, Don't Tell Me, the NPR News Quiz. I'm Bill Curtis, and here is your host at the Studebaker Theater in downtown Chicago, Peter Sagal. Thank
2: you, Bill.
1: Thanks, everybody. So, the year 2022
2: has asked us to review it one more time in the hope that we will raise its grade. And sure enough, we found some things that deserve extra credit. For example, last May, when we went to
1: San Francisco and interviewed the hosts of the podcast Ear Hustle. It's a collaboration between an artist, Nigel Poor, and a one-time prisoner at San Quentin, Erlon Woods. Erlon was released in 2018... And when they joined us on stage, Peter asked them how their collaboration began.
5: Um, I started going down into the Media Lab. After I stopped teaching, I wanted to do some more projects down there. And um, I met him. He he volunteered down there as well. And uh, he was the quietest guy in the room. And I thought, hmm... That's interesting.
2: If this guy doesn't talk, I bet he'd be great (laughs) Great. on a podcast. Exactly. Exactly. But neither of you had ever done a podcast before.
5: He didn't know what a podcast was.
2: Right. It was interesting. I thought we was just going to be talking, but it was way more scripted than
5: that. Yeah. I know you said, oh, this is going to be easy. Definitely. I thought it was, I mean, listening to Snap Judgment, I was like, oh, yeah, that's easy. (laughs) Oh yeah. (laughs) And the great thing about Ear Hustle, for those
2: who haven't heard it, is usually when people read or write things about prisons it's about unjustly sentenced people or our carceral system large themes you guys intentionally didn't go there
5: yes we really wanted to tell stories about everyday life and things that people who are not incarcerated could relate to yeah. so what was in the first episode oh how to find a, how to find a cellie? Yep. so how, how do you find a roommate Definitely. Do, you, do you get to choose your roommate in prison
4: not all the time no
5: but when you do you want to have that answer ready
1: <laughs>
5: Especially, can you choose somebody who's not in yet? Because <laughs> I got some ideas.
1: <laughs>
2: er- Erlon, is it, was there something about prison life, a particular episode maybe, that was most surprising to people who don't know anything about prisons, like me and most of your listeners? The thing that just blew everybody's mind.
4: Um, probably, I would think, the fishing expedition. Oh, yeah. Okay, what is that? Yeah, you
2: <laughs>
5: <to try> that. <laughs> Talking oh, about yeah? how you can deliver a burrito from one uh, oh, yeah. floor to the next using the toilet. System. Yeah, that was bad. What? <laughs> that was, yeah, yeah. You, you can't just
4: say that and not explain. Yeah. I wouldn't imagine explaining that one.
5: I mean, I'm, I'm familiar with a burrito
7: delivery system involving a toilet, but that's the, <laughs> that's the outcome.
5: Yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, this is before. Oh, uh, and this, oh, is before. A, this is called fishing.
7: Fishing. Uh, I think fishing.
5: Jesse Vasquez yes, explained that yes, one. Yes, Jesse Vasquez Good. told us how you could... Um, well, you said you, Actually, s- you, you have to get all the water out of the toilet first, which you said you do by s- squatting which, squatting,
2: can, squatting, back and forth on the toilet. Getting all the water to... Wait a minute. Go. So you squat back and forth on the toilet. Yep. It goes up and down, up, up and down, down, up and yeah. down. So that you create suction. Exactly. exactly. So your butt is a plunger. Right. Exactly. Yes. Your yes. body is a plunger. Your body yes. is a plunger. <laughs> that, was, that was John Mayer's first draft of that song. <laughs> <laughs> Improved mean, it. But <laughs> so then you have the water out of the toilet now what <laughs> so now your mission is to um flush something
5: well first i thought you had to clean it once you clean it out you're gonna clean it out but
7: once you, oh yeah this, well we don't really expect yeah, that this, yeah you <laughs> definitely you are. not that goes without gonna, saying you're this not gonna clean mission. the pipes you're gonna <laughs> clean the I toilet i
5: thought you took the, sh- the sheet and the sheet went through and cleaned the uh in the, theory in, the, okay, <laughs> in theory okay <laughs> <laughs>
2: That's what you told the guy you were sending the burrito to. He said, "Well, of course I clean this with cheese." This is a good plot for the next Mission Impossible. (laughs) (laughs) Apparently, I gotta ask. That's a lot of effort to get somebody a burrito. Why was it so important that you get that person the burrito?
4: Well, it wasn't me that was doing it, but from the story, I think dude was hungry. They was in administrative segregation.
5: I'm guessing he's never had prison food. (laughs)
9: <laughs> wow, it, it's
2: worse than a burrito that's been through a toilet yeah,
7: exactly. <laughs> definitely. It's so bad, you'd rather have... But is it, <laughs> isn't it? there a chance that you you get the water out, and you're like, here we
4: go, and then somebody next door flushes, yes. and you're like, ah, yes. it's a system, everybody yes. work together. Oh, okay. <laughs>
1: everybody
4: trying like, to get on that highway. It's like Chipotle, it's kind of like
2: Chipotle.
1: <laughs> <laughs>
2: Everyone's got their section. <laughs> Well, Nigel and Erlon, we have asked you here to play a game we're calling... Ride'em Cowboy. You are the hosts of Ear Hustle, so we thought we'd ask you about the Steer Hustle, <laughs> which is what we call rodeo.
5: Ooh, horse stuff.
2: If you answer two or three questions about the world of professional rodeo correctly, you will win okay. a prize for one of our listeners. Bill, <laughs> who are our guests playing for?
1: Michaela Wilson of Redwood City, California.
5: Okay, okay.
2: here's your first question the rodeo is exciting to watch it's also dangerous at the Range Days Rodeo in Rapid City a drunk fan who jumped the fence to run around the arena was lucky to escape serious injury after a collision with a 275 pound what A. Bull B. Goat or C. Rodeo Clown
5: I love goats, but... Um,
2: yimmy, the, yimmy. Yeah. Yimmy, uh, yimmy. Don't yimmy, yimmy? What's that? What's a goat that's, a, that's a sound. That's the
5: sound the goat makes. Yimmy, yimmy, I know yimmy. you've been inside
2: a long time. <laughs> no, that that's
5: was... not what a goat
2: sounds
4: like. <laughs> that, hey, that's what it sounded like in my neighborhood growing up. <laughs> Street goats. Street, Street goats. Goat. Good goats. Those are the
2: hard streets of South Central. That's what the goats say. Yimmy, yimmy, yimmy. yimmy, yimmy. too much. Um, yeah.
5: But the, you said 200 pounds?
2: I said three hundred. I said two hundred and seventy-five pounds. It's going to be a clown. I'm sorry, see, yeah. you say C. was the clean. clown. It was the rodeo clown. That's right. Yeah. yeah. Yes, yeah. yeah, uh, right. yeah. This famous rodeo clown, in Justin Rumpshaker Rumford just leveled the guy. <laughs> I mean, seriously, these guys are used to like dealing with like bulls, so a guy was not a problem. <laughs> all right, here's your next question. Like all sporting events, rodeos have good years and bad years. A 2011 rodeo in Utah is particularly memorable for what reason? A. All of the bulls could sense there was a huge thunderstorm coming. So instead of bucking, they all just sat down and refused to move. (laughs) B, one of the horses bucked a rider off its back and then immediately gave birth to a foal in the middle of the arena. (laughs) Or C, due to an outbreak of horse herpes, all of the riders were forced to use toy stick ponies instead of the road.
5: (laughs) (laughs) It's Utah, so probably no herpes. A. A?
2: Roland thinks A.
5: Bulls don't sit. What well, do they do? You never heard a bull sit before? <laughs> <laughs> I must have. Yeah. I,
3: think I, I think I miss her. Yeah. Yeah. I, you
2: know, everybody knows this. The bulls the bulls sit down and they just sit there quietly going yibbity yibbity If you
5: I'm going to say B, but if you want to go for A. A. The answer is, in fact, C. What? They all, all the horses were
2: out. They couldn't use the horses, so they just said here, and they got those stick hobby
1: horses. (laughs) Uh All
2: right, you have one one right with one to go. If you get this, you win. Okay, pressure. Steer roping, bull riding, mainstays of your rodeo, but they're not the only ones. Which of these is a real event at the Angola Prison Rodeo? A, the bull kissing booth, where whoever sneaks the most kisses on a rampaging bull's lips wins. B, the writer spelling B, where if you spell a word wrong, you get lassoed off stage, or C, a game where four men sit at a table playing poker and then an angry bull is released and the last man to flee the table wins. I think see. C. I'm going to go with C. Yeah. You're going to go with C. I'm that sounds right C. to you. Yes, yes that so. is... <laughs> wow. Yes. And because it is a prison rodeo, it is called convict poker. You got to be quick with the poker face. <laughs> you do? There's, there's a bull coming. you got to be like... Uh, yeah. <laughs> I don't know why are all my cards
1: red. <laughs> <laughs> Bill, how did Nigel and Erlon do in our quiz? Two out of three, you Yay! won this game.
3: Yay! Wow.
2: Nigel Poore and Erlon Woods are the hosts of Radiotopia's Ear Hustle, their new book. This is Ear Hustle is out now. It's really quite something. I recommend it both. Nigel and Erlon, thank you so much for joining us. On thank you. Pleasure to see you. Enjoy your success. By God, you earned
5: it.
8: What's happening on NPR podcasts?
0: More neighborhoods and more perspectives. The more of the world that you hear, the more you hear the world as it really is. NPR podcasts, more voices, all ears. Find NPR wherever you get your podcasts.
2: Finally, back in June, we were joined by one of our hometown heroes. Matt Walsh is a Chicago improviser and comedian who's best known for playing one of Selena Meyer's aides in the HBO comedy Veep.
1: Peter asked Matt about the Chicago comedy troupe that brought him to fame.
6: Yes, sir. uh, Upright Citizens Brigade was uh, a group that we... Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, we started uh, here in Chicago and did crazy shows and decided to take a chance and moved to New York with our, prop, you know, our little
2: chest of props and try to get a show on Comedy Central. Did you guys have a style that distinguished you from the other 40,000 people doing sketch comedy in Chicago Yeah, we
6: Yeah, we would. We would prank reality. So we would do sketches where you would see these characters and then we would take those characters and provoke nice, kind people on the streets of Chicago with those characters.
2: Did anybody ever react negatively to being pranked by you amusing people?
6: Well, we had one thing where our friend uh, Horatio got arrested because it was too disruptive and we were holding torches in the middle of the street. <laughs> uh, and just sort of like staging a fake car accident where our friend would drive a car and we would roll over it. Things like that.
2: Right, right, right. I imagine, I'm guessing, you can tell me if I'm wrong, do you okay. get recognized You're most... wrong. <laughs> <laughs> Usually people wait. Oh, sorry. Um, that you get most recognized for your role in Veep. Veep is currently
6: the thing I got recognized most for. Oftentimes it was... Thank you, please, yeah.
2: So, you did Veep, and uh, what we have heard consistently from anybody who's been involved in Washington is that that, not the West Wing, is the most accurate version of life in D.C. Was that your experience? It's true, yeah. We heard that
6: a lot. It was sort of a workplace comedy, and uh, it was completely relatable because so many people in Washington aren't the person. They're not the congressman, they're not the judge, they're not the head of the department. And then both sides, whether they're Republican or Democrat, always felt like you were making fun of the other party. Right. Because we never mentioned, yeah, it's true, you never mentioned it. And I remember the first time we aired an episode of Veep in front of a DC crowd, it was the pilot. The biggest laugh was when Tony Hale, as they're doing a greeting line, Tony Hale whispers in Julia Dreyfus's ear as a man and a young woman come forward to greet her. She says, uh, wife, not daughter, wife, not daughter. (laughs) Huge laugh. Right. Total recognition. Yes. Yes. Completely true.
5: Yes.
2: Always happening in DC. Did, did you, (laughs) your other, in addition to, uh, improv, your other big enthusiasm is Chicago sports. Yes. Right.
6: I love, uh, Chicago bears big time. Thank you. I don't know why. Yeah. It's a lot of disappointment, which a lot I think sports loyalties are. There's a lot of sad teams. It's better than being a Detroit Lions fan.
1: <laughs>
2: That's true. They, mean, have, they have nothing to look back on.
6: Matt Stafford left that city and won a Super Bowl. I mean...
1: Wow. But if you're a Lions fan... Yeah. But if you're a Lions fan... Are you a Lions fan? No, but okay. I'm just saying, if you are, you go in with no hope, so there's no disappointment. like you. I guess you're never
6: teased into thinking, oh, this
1: could be the year. Right. You're never right. thinking like, oh, they're going to be great this year. You're like, no, we'll see what goes <laughs> wrong.
2: That's sort of that's sort of how I approach dating. <laughs>
1: yeah. But it must be so painful.
6: Just every year, painful, painful. Just watching no victories or losing in the last second, like they are. Are, you still are we talking, talking about? about my yeah, I was about one? to. No, say. I was talking about the dating. I understand. Oh, yeah. yeah, I was. <laughs> we <laughs>
2: heard. <laughs> Well, Matt Walsh, it is great talking to you, but we've asked you here to play a game we're calling...
1: The Giants win the Stanley Cup. The Giants win the Stanley Cup.
2: You are a sports fan, as we have established. That means you must watch and listen to a lot of sports broadcasting. So you know that a lot of times when there's time to fill, things get weird. So we're going to ask <laughs> you two out of three questions about some mistakes in sports broadcasting. Get Love two it. out of three right, you will win our prize, the voice of anyone they choose for their voicemail. That's for, of course, one of our listeners. Bill, who is Matt Walsh playing for?
1: Evelyn Williams of Boston, Massachusetts. All right. (laughs) Evelyn, I got you. I got you,
2: Evelyn, I got you. (laughs) All right, here we go. British sports announcer David Coleman has said so many ridiculous things on air that British people call announcer bloopers generically Coleman balls. Which of these did he actually say while covering a cycling race? A... It's amazing how those skinny little tubes manage to hold all the gasoline they need. <laughs> B, the front wheel crosses the finish line, closely followed by the back wheel. <laughs> or C, as everyone knows, the buy in bicycle refers to how fast they go by. <laughs> I'm going to go the front wheel, back wheel, the second one. That's right, that's what he said. What? <laughs> There are many of them. Another one from when he was doing a soccer match. If that had gone in, it would have been a goal.
5: (laughs) (laughs) This guy sounds like a delight.
2: Uh, He must be. Next question. That's amazing. Depending on who you ask, Joe Buck is either the most beloved or most hated play-by-play announcer. His talent is so renowned as an announcer, he has had to ask people to please stop doing what? A, telling him to embrace his natural hair loss. B, using his name as a substitute for a well-known profanity, as in, go Buck yourself. <laughs> or C, please stop sending him sex tapes to record play-by-play commentary for.
6: I don't hate Joe Buck, so I can't relate to this one, but I'll go the sex tape one. You're right. That's oh, true. What? What? Now you have
2: sympathy for Joe Buck. I also do not hate Joe Buck. What? Yeah. But I'm just trying to think about like the people who like make a sex tape. That's fine, whatever you know they want to do, and then look at it and they'll go, you know what this could use the dulcet tones of Joe Buck, trying to build up some tension, resolving it, congratulating us.
6: I wonder and if you have to talk fast. <laughs>
2: that's true.
9: he
0: could say things like, the front wheel is followed closely by, by the back, back
3: wheel. wheel. All
2: right, you're doing very well here, Matt. Here's your last question. Stop it, stop it. <laughs> As you may yourself have found out in your long career of fandom, the press boxes in stadiums are not always the best seats in the house. In fact, at Shea Stadium, the press box was so cramped that which of these things happens to beloved Cubs radio analyst Ron Santo? A, he had to remove his artificial leg to fit inside... B, when he stood up for the national anthem, whose toupee caught fire on an overhead space heater. Oh! Or C, he had to swap in and out with a play-by-play guy because there wasn't room for both of them at the same time. I'm going to say A, the leg. The leg. Boo? Boo?
5: Whoa! I'm, not... I'm going to guess the boo was because you got it wrong.
2: <laughs> All right, so let's just go over the choices. Was it A, he had to remove his artificial leg to fit inside, B when he stood up for the national anthem, his toupee caught fire because of the low space heater.
3: Whoa, like
5: Oh, that. The crowd likes the toupee. All right, fly. I'm gonna yeah, go, yeah.
2: I'm gonna go with America, Peter. Right. I'm gonna say
6: <laughs> America knows Ron Sano, we're gonna say B. You're right, that's what he's right.
1: They're right. Bill, how did Matt Walsh do in a quiz? Matt Walsh, three out of three. What a champion! Whoa! Yeah. Chicago's own Matt Walsh,
2: thank you so much for joining us and Wait, Wait, Don't Tell Me. You Thank are the best. You. Thank you. Thank you so much. How Thanks, long. Everybody. That's it for part one of our year-end review. We'll see you all again in 2023, but until then, Wait, Wait, Don't Tell Me is a production of NPR and WBEZ Chicago. In association with Urgent Haircut Productions, Doug Berman, Benevolent Overlord. Philip Godica writes our limericks. Our public address announcer is Paul Friedman. Our tour manager is Shane Donald. Thanks to the staff and crew at the Studebaker Theater in downtown Chicago. B.J. Liederman composed our theme. Our program is produced by Jennifer Mills, Miles Dornbos, and Lillian King. Our production assistant is Sophie Hernandez, Simeon Nevis. Special thanks to Vinnie Thomas and Monica Hickey. Peter Gwynn is our rose-colored glasses. Our intern is Vaishnavi Naidu, tech- Technical Irrationist from Lorna White Our CFO is Colin Miller Our Production Manager Is Robert Newhouse Our Senior Producer Is Ian Chilock And the Executive Producer Of Wait Wait Don't Tell Me Is Mike Danforth Thanks to everybody You heard on this show All of the panelists All of our special guests Of course Bill Curtis Thanks to our fabulous audience Here at the Studebaker Theatre You guys are the best Thanks to all of you At home for listening I'm Peter Sagal We'll be back next week
9: This